Hello and welcome to Huguenot Podcast episode 46. Um, before we get started, I want to take a moment to welcome Lore back. We have Lore on, um, so I'm excited about that. Hi, Lore. How are you doing? I'm doing all right, sir. How about yourself? I'm doing good. Uh, so let's let me get the beginning stuff out of the way. Uh, obviously, if you want to go to my website, please feel free to do so, and that is at hugenhoff.org, h-u-g-i-n-h-o-f.org. If you had any emails you wanted to f- send me, please feel free to do that as well. You can find my email address on the website, or it is hugenhoffpodcast at gmail.com, and there's no spaces or dots or dashes in there. Um, I've gotten a couple really good emails lately, so I want to continue to encourage people to send me emails if you've got anything you want to add or whatever, or if you have ideas for show topics. Um, I'm always interested in ideas for show topics, so send those my way. And I did want to also take a moment to mention that if you did not discover this show through the Northern Northern Runes Radio, you should check them out, and you can find them at northernrunesradio.com. And they're doing a lot of exciting stuff, uh, lots of different podcasts on there with uh, diverse uh, views, so it's fun to get kind of some different ways to look at Ossetro. Uh, the, the goal of the station isn't like... To have some unified view or something. It's to give you lots of different options and different ways of looking at Ostro. And I, I think uh, Dan does a really great job about on that. And uh, they've also got a store now. So if you want to get some, like, hats or jackets or coffee cups or, you know, whatever and support the station that way, obviously that would be cool and feel free to do so. But all that stuff is at their website, northernroonsradio.com. And I do believe that's it. Oh, actually, no, it's not. Also, Lore still has his book out, so would you like to tell people where they can get that? Sure. I have uh, four books, really. Um, One is a science fiction series. It's uh, the Outsiders uh, trilogy, and you can get that on Amazon.com, or if you want the print version of the first one, that's on CreateSpace or Amazon as well. Um, Just look for Stephen Oaks, S-T-E-V-E-N-O-A-K-S, and you should find it on Amazon pretty easy. Also, there is a poetry book, which at least one person in this world has liked, which is Byron here. He apparently likes the poetry book. I don't know why. I, I, I enjoy writing I, them. I want to say I think it's very good, and I really would suggest anybody buy it. I like poetry, um, but I really think they're good. So I totally suggest people buy that book. You know, and the other ones, too. So yeah, if you want the poetry book, I guess, uh, it's called Horizon, A Year of Poetry. It's just a bunch of poems I wrote over a series of a year, and then I went back and edited them to make a little bit better poetry from it, I guess. So yeah, if you like science fiction, I'm your guy. If you like poetry, well, there's a book out there that I wrote too. <laughs> yes, and I will put the um, link in the show notes if I remember. I, I remembered last time. I was proud of myself. So there'll be a link in the show notes you can get as well. Um, okay, well, I guess we're going to go ahead and start. Today we are going over a story. And the name, that story has a name. It's the Lay of Harbad. Thank you. Um, 
Yes. Oh, I did want to mention something before we start. So, the Poetic Eddas, the Hollander translation that I reference a lot and really like, um, it's actually available for Kindle now. It didn't mm. used to be. This is new. So, if you have a Kindle or or a smartphone of any type that you can get Kindle on, you can get the lay of, or you can get the Poetic Eddas by Hollander. And that is my favorite translation. And the ones they used to have on the um, Amazon store were just not very good. It's just they they were formatted weird. And and this Hollander edition, not only is it my favorite edition, it's actually formatted well on Amazon. So I would suggest anybody buy that if they're really into um, the poetic eddas. You can also find it on Sacred Text just by googling that. Well, but not I, Hollander's <coughs> version. You can correct. Find Thank you. The, yeah, so the poet yeah. is, we don't want to sound like we're shilling out here for uh, Amazon or anything, but hey, our stuff's on there. Hey, and I might yeah. have to get that Hollander's version because I think it would be easier to search. It It is, and something you can, because none of the other versions had this on Amazon. You can go to the table of contents and click on the story you want to go to and go straight to that story. Does the uh, stuff in the back still exist? Um what do they call it? The index, I guess? At the gotcha. very end where it's like a, uh, there's a word or a phrase that you might be interested in yeah. in the back of the book. And then you can look it up and like it'll give you the page number in the actual physical book. Because if that's the case on the Kindle version and it links, that would be a very wonderful resource. That, <clears throat> excuse me, that would be a wonderful research and or resource. And I don't know, I I actually just got it recently, and I haven't gotten that far. I know they've got the go-to thing. Let's see if I can find it real quick. So as Byron just lingers on his little Kindle, In, I assume. Index <laughs> and list of names. Um, yeah, it looks like it does. So you can go through and be like, um, you're looking for... For Burr, and then it's got the pages on 236, 137, and you click on one of those pages, and it does go to the place in the text. So, yes, it does. Do you remember if it, uh, in that one, it shows Odin? If you look up Odin and all his subnames that he likes to use? I do believe that's in there somewhere. I don't well, know. Keep that up. Keep that up. I think it'd be interesting during the show. Uh, I'd have to find it again. Oh, well, never mind then. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, if, if I... How do you do it? If... I'm, I might find it. Um, but yeah, so it's it's really set up nice. A lot of them, because they were like... Because obviously the Poetic Edda is not in copyright anymore, so anyone who wants to can put up a version of it. And there are free versions, or at least really low-priced versions on Amazon. But on all these free books, or even like really low-priced books, you can't like go to a chapter, you know? Or, like, just click on the thing to go straight to the chapter, and that's really kind of annoying. Can we have a side conversation about books, though, real quick, then? Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, and just for the listeners out here, I don't think this is a waste of time, because the most important thing to do if you're studying Austria on yourself is get these books, get the poetic eddas and read them, and sometimes searching the book can be a real challenge. So, uh, go ahead. Well, my my second question is, okay, so I have a bunch of books that are based on Austertrude or Norse mythology or anything like that, just anything I could find when I was out looking. Like, to you, though, does it have more 
pertinence or more uh, validity when you have it in a book form than it does if you were to just go to a website and see something? Or where do you, where do you get that line of say, hey, this has credibility and I'm going to be able to use this and look at it and get something from it? Or do you just read everything and then hopefully you go, okay, I'm going to think about it for a bit and then, hey, that seems valid. I'm going to go ahead and take it no matter where you find it. Yeah, that's a really good question because, um, <clears throat> excuse me, sometimes when you're on the internet, the problem is everything on the internet is a lie. <laughs> I mean, there's just so much bad information on the internet. Sacred text is usually pretty good. Sometimes I don't like exactly how their translations go, and I do take Hollander above that. Um like the reason I like Hollander so much is I don't think he has and I'm not going to name other author translators of the Poetic Eddas but some of the other translators have agendas I feel like and Hollander doesn't have an agenda because this is actually his scholarly area of study that doesn't take care of the question though because other authors or other translators I I suppose um, have published books because I have a few of yeah. the Eddas and some of them are can be viewed differently by the way that they're translating it because it does seem like they have an agenda. They're not linguists. That's not their, their stance. They're uh, different kind of things. Right. For some reason they like to research. I'm being very gentle here because yeah. I don't want to out anybody for translating yeah, yeah. it weird or, or differently. Weird is probably a bad word. But yeah, like, if you publish a book, anybody can publish a book. If you find the right house right. who publishes, it can be published, okay? So when you go out of your way and you publish a book, hopefully that means that there was some sort of uh, people overlooking you, maybe some oversight. So yes, there is that. However, if there is a, an agenda in the background, when you translate something... Or when you even just try to tell the story from your perspective, it can do a little bit of a different thing. This is why I and I think you enjoy Hollander so much because it's all about language to him. And, it and, is, and, yeah. And uh, the Kennings and stuff like that. This is why I happen to like him so very much because he is trying to outline, hey, this is how they did it. This is what it's all about. And I think that's even what... Um, Wow, I've completely forgotten the original man who wrote down the uh, poetic edit. Snorri. Snorri. Snorri Sturluson. Yeah. That was his end, at least as far as we can tell, for writing right. down these stories because he was very much interested in the poetic culture and, and the kinnings behind it. So, and w- Go ahead. I was just going to say, one of the things I, I do like about the Hollander translation is it is put out by an academic publishing house like university of texas i think it is something like that but i i do feel like i trust a publishing house like that more than one i've never heard of before um and you know if this if this was fiction i i don't care i think if you're writing fiction self-publishing is one of your best options because why should you have to change your story for somebody else? Because it's fiction. It's your story. But if we're talking about history and translation, well, there is an original source, and your goal should be to reproduce that original source. And I just... I like knowing that 
he is a professor who studies language and that tells me why he was writing this book and I feel like because it's a university publishing house it's not going to be wildly off the wall and have crazy stuff in it. Though universities of course have their own agendas. However, <clears throat> they I, do. I, I do want to say something about self-publishing. That is what I had done. <clears throat> I, I didn't go out of my way to try to get it published anywhere else. I didn't ask. Uh, I didn't submit or anything to any other place. So that's me. But there is something about going to a publisher even if you're doing fiction. Uh, they okay. have a great understanding of the genre, hopefully. And they will they will help you edit. Editing is very, very important. And when someone can look at your work and see that what the masses or what is easily understandable by a lot more people, that is the great thing behind a publishing house because they will do that for you. They will help you get it into a form that more people can understand. They should hopefully work with you about such things like that. And that's why when you get a book about Austin True stuff, there should be people behind that helping that be more uh, readable, I guess is the word. Right. <clears throat> yeah, so, that, yes. okay, that makes sense. So yes, uh, any book that's published then that isn't self-published about this sort of thing, so that would be websites as well because that's self-publishing too. Yeah. Um. You can take it a little bit better, at least for the sake of reading. So it should be more legible or understandable. So yes. Yeah. Uh, so if you go on to Amazon, and I was to write a book, and I didn't go through anything like that um, about Austin True, you may not understand it as well if someone else had looked over it. Like I, I try to get people to look over my stuff too, but that you doesn't do. mean yeah. it is as readable <clears throat> as it would have been if it went through many other eyes and that's right. what publishing does yeah that's true <clears throat> and I, I i do think the fact check is important um so i guess the answer to your question is i prefer books now if that's on the kindle or on the ink on page format that doesn't make a difference to me but no, i'm but always you want it to have gone through a publishing house of some yes. sort if it's just an individual in their opinions not that there isn't value in that Right, there is value to that, but there's not those other people checking over it. And that is my aside for books. I'm sorry. Okay. No, and I, I think that's um I think that's a good aside because I would suggest people trying to read the Poetic Eddas or learn about Osatru start with Hollander's translation of the Poetic Eddas no, or some no. other or no, some other translation. That one. Yeah, like, that one's actually I, I hard. I love Hollander's, don't get me wrong. It's uh, it's about facts and it's about actuality. I can't remember what it is, but there is a translation out there that I I enjoy thoroughly. There's a story that I can never remember what it's called in the Eddas, but it comes up in this particular writing called Thor Goes a Fishing. <laughs> yeah. And it makes it very approachable. Yes. It is extremely approachable. And you can get an outline for everything. And then, if you're curious, you go on to Hollander's because it dissects it. Yes. And, and, it's, and it's intelligent, and it's fun, and the kinnings are all there. Now, we may not have every kinning in the world simply because time has passed, and even when uh, Snorri wrote it down, some of it is kind of lost to history. Right. But at least it is translated into English appropriately, I suppose. 
Right. Yeah, and and I think you're right. Start with a translation that you like. Yeah, I wish I could remember the name of that one you're talking about. And, uh, it's called um, Norse Stories. I don't remember Norse who the Stories. author is. Okay. I could probably look it up, but yes. Well, they can Google it, too. Um, and this other one I started reading, I can't remember who put it together. It's on one of my other shows. I'll try to throw it in the show notes. Um, but it's it's an approach, approachable version of the Poetic Eddas uh, that I, that's a lot easier to read. But, yeah, I, I go back to Hollander if I'm really trying to study it because he's got a lot of... Um, it's more detailed, but that does make it a little more difficult to read. So, but what I would not do is just Google what's also true and believe everything on the page about all the stories. You know, if somebody just is like, yeah, and also true, there's this story where like this and that happens. You know, I don't, that's not necessarily the true, that's not necessarily the case. Because um, people make up a lot of stuff on the internet. Now, Which, here's here's granted, my question for you. Then I'm sorry. Yes, making up that happens. But where are you reading today's story from? Um, I actually I read it before we started, and I read it from the translation that I forget what it's called, which I'll put in the show notes, unless I remember before the show's over. And then I read it again in the. Uh, um, Hollander's version okay. of the Poetic Addis. By the way, Norse Stories is by Hamilton Wright Maybe, M-A-B-I-E. Okay. So okay. I'm going to have fun here because I found a translation on Blight.com for the Harbed lay. So okay. I want to see how accurate it is. If we're okay. going to read it line by line, I don't know. Um, I was not planning to read it line by line just because, I don't know, a lot of times that seems to... Well, I guess we could. I kind of like it because it means we dissect it. However, it's not a very long story. It's right. just an exchange between two people. So I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, it, it depends on which story we're reading. I think some of the real important ones are good to read line by line. But this one, in a lot of ways, is more lighthearted than the other one. It is, it is. Um. So I was probably not going to read it line by line. Maybe if we ever revisit it in, in the okay. future, we'll read it again. But I don't know if we will. So I wasn't planning on reading it line by line. Just kind of going over it. Oh, man. See, that's what I really... Okay. So maybe I'm a little bit of a nerd about mm -hmm. a lot of things, apparently. But about uh, um, the Eddas and also Drew all together. Because mm -hmm. I like to dissect it and see where other people come from. Um, when we were doing the Have em All, I really had a lot of fun bouncing back and forth between translations. But that's me, so I don't know. No, I really like doing it with the Have em All and the Valsapa both, because they were such foundational stories. And each section was so dense. So you're right, this isn't yes. as dense. However, yeah. there are certain things in it, I, I guess, that are interesting. Because there are some kinnings and, and some, uh, what do they call it, uh, flighting is that right? Uh, I think so, yeah. Well, we can read it line by line. There's no reason we can't. Hey, it's up to you. We didn't discuss beforehand, so if you got something prepared, you go ahead and do that. I um, I just was trying to prepare myself in my own way. <laughs> let's see. Uh, no, we can read it line by line. Um, there aren't that many lines. Now, I am going to skip the intro. Um, 
Hollander just put a nice intro in there, but the most important things to remember is this is going to be between Thor and Odin, and Thor... Ah, is it? Is it? Now, specifically speaking, yes, because there is a point in time where he calls himself, or he had said at one point in time that, yes, he had taken the name uh, Harbad. Yeah. But there was also a period of time when people thought it was Loki. Hmm. Okay. Well, Hollander says it's Odin. Well, it's and... later he he mentions that name as one he takes. So, yes, okay. of course. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, kind of the way that it's delivered does sound almost Loki-esque. I'm sorry, we're digging into it even before we started. I'm no, very no, that's sorry. fine. I, no, this is actually exactly what I want. So, um... I don't know. I think it's very Odin-esque. The, the trick with... I mean... The mocking behavior? Like, Odin will mock in a way, but it's yeah. it's an intellectual battle, usually. Whereas yeah. Loki will just cut you to the bone immediately for everything you say or do or have done. Right. And, and find any kind of cracks in the armor. Now, Odin could do the same thing... But I don't know if it comes across in the same way that this story does. Now, it could be that this is a story that is kind of muddled with time. Yeah. So certain characters kind of have been blended for whatever reason. Well, uh, you know, another thing, I think this kind of goes back to um, that last story, um, Skirner's Journey, where it gets a lot into the delivery. I mean, I think Thor really is getting frustrated in this story and a little bit mad. But I, I would say that Odin is doing this mostly to have a little bit of fun with him. And now... Just a just a, an aside here. I listen to the podcasts, uh, even if I'm not on them. Uh, yes, yes, I'm I'm involved with Hugenhoff and all this stuff. So okay, yeah. but man, that was an interesting topic, especially that email that came back. And that email was awesome. The- that was a great email. I'm very yes. glad that someone was able to come back with that kind of. Hey, it's all about the delivery. That is yes. very interesting. I really like that, and and the fact that you. The maybe she wanted to but couldn't kind of idea that that's a yeah. great one because we are missing a lot of stuff in our stories which is very mm-hmm. sad so we mm-hmm. have to dissect it so deeply each time we get into it right which is one of the reasons I do like having two people on the show because it's a lot easier to do with another person to actually talk back with so well, while we may view the gods differently, it is we still kind of have similarities on the way we dissect things. So it would be even better if we had, I don't know, someone who took them a different way than either of us do. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah but write your that email. email. Send them in. Send them in. Uh, that's true. I, I uh, echo that sentiment. Um, so yeah, the way I... And that was um, that email was one of those, like, now it kind of makes sense moments which i love having which i you know no matter how long you're also true or or any religion or just alive in general i think you're always going to have those moments when you're like i never understood this and now i do and those are just the coolest those are the coolest moments ever to have you know as long as you can stay open and and not and this is another reason i i think it's so important not to fall into dogma because you can't have those moments once you fall into dogma you're like nope i'm right don't care what you said so and i don't i don't know how you can 
at least from my perspective, fall into dogma with Osatru. Because we're losing so, we're missing so much lore. Yeah, and I, 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 you know what? Actually, you can, but yeah. you would have to have built it yourself or have had someone else build it up for you instead. Yeah, to actually take it dogmatically because it's it's such a Swiss cheese, I guess, of of lore. It, there are holes, but it's still mm-hmm. a flavorful, amazing thing. But those holes need to be filled with something. Right. Yeah, and, and what are you going to fill those holes with? I mean, in a lot of ways... I mean, uh, sure, in a perfect world, I would like to have every single bit of the lore that ever existed. Yes. But, but even then, even then, it's all interpretation, just as we showed... Mm-hmm. Or we, I'm sorry. Just as the author of that email showed, it's interpretation. It's, yes. it's it's other other background features that were missing because a written text sometimes misses out on inflection and kind of emotions. Because if you read it just straight, like Hollander might, you right. might miss out on some of that emotional layering in in, yeah. in the statement. Yeah, absolutely. So um it, in some ways, having missing lore is is it's definitely got a big silver lining, where it forces you to. I mean, if, in my opinion, anyway, it forces you to say, we don't have all the information. Some of this is going to be based on my own personal work with the gods, and it keeps things a little more fluid. So it's not nearly as easy to fall into in, in speaking that dogma. In speaking of that, we just had our Austera bloat. Oh my yes. goodness! I had like the greatest uh, insight just because of having that one. We're mm-hmm. missing a ton. In fact, almost everything you can think about Ostera is missing, and yes. yet, and yet, it made me think to myself, "Oh, oh, we are actually members of a uh, culture that strive to do." Um, oh man. Just verbal storytelling as opposed to written down storytelling. So it it affects the language. It affects how we speak to each other. And the fact that it still exists as a part of language, Alstera, the month kind of thing. Mm -mm. And it still exists and influences. Come on. Even in the culture that we are in today, United States, America, we celebrate Easter, supposedly a Christian holiday, and yet it has all those flavors of Alstera in it. Eggs right. and rabbits and, and renewal and rebirth. Well, and right down to the name, Easter. Ex- exactly. Now, you could say that's the eastern uh, horizon rising in the sky, the sun comes up, and yes, renewal right there, but come on, Ostera. It's an amazing story to think of, because we don't have it, but right. It's in the language. It's in the culture that still exists with the people today. Even if they aren't also true, they still celebrate that aspect of renewal, rebirth, rabbits, fertility, right. And, right. And, and just everything like that. So, so when we have something more, we still have that flavor. But like, if you think about it, it's that language. It's, it's, it's the talking to each other. The, the storytelling, it builds with time. Mm-hmm. It's it's such a beautiful thing, and I love celebrating Ostera now simply because of that uh, realization because it's a it's a it's a storytelling by talking than by writing. 
and right. we will get our inflections from that. Well, and yeah, and a lot of the a lot of our original stories were certain stories were certainly oral tradition, all of them probably. Um, well, and and I like that because you have the idea of it's a growing, um, not growing like getting bigger religion, but. Um, there's there's a name for it, like a living religion, a living, breathing culture right. that still exists even within other religions that exist alongside of it, or have subsumed it and absorbed mm-hmm. it, and yet it's still there. It's still there. Right. We still have um, thirteen uh, jury members deciding yeah. if yeah. if things are going to happen. This is it, the thing. It's an amazing circumstance where we still have this live, vital culture that lies beneath this other culture that has tried to take over. Right. Yeah, there's certain things that I think uh, call to us on a very fundamental level that are probably always going to be there. And and those building blocks will probably never go away entirely, but like in today's day and age, we can sort of look at those building blocks and start building on them again and like like austera as a god there's still um controversy if austera is a goddess or if she was just a celebration and i don't want to say one is right and one is wrong but a lot of people do take her as a goddess and i think that's really interesting because you have the idea that we can rediscover some of the gods that may have been lost to time because there's so many there's so, yes, so many, yeah. and, and they're named elsewhere, but we don't have their background stories, and yet there's aspects of them within each tale that even mentions their name. Yes. And so we can rebuild in a way, and hopefully we can reconnect with those those ideas that have been passed on to father, son, mother, daughter, mother, son, any kind right. of combination. It, it's still there within us. Because we have the language, we have our habits, we have our celebrations, we feast, we do all these other things. Yeah. It's still there and living. It's just unnamed. And we should find those names and reconnect with them. At least that's my perspective. No, I completely agree. And and it's something we have to be careful with. We don't want to be like, okay, um, it's Tuesday, so I'm going to add 17 new gods to my pantheon. No. It's, it's not something like that, but... Like with Austera, it didn't just pop up overnight, and it sort of withstood the test of time. And I think um, going forward into the future, we're going to have more gods and goddesses that do sort of get fleshed out in sort of an oral tradition among families and and passing it it, down to your kids and stuff. It's kind of like an oral tradition, except we have these celebrations. Even, like, surprisingly enough, I, I looked at July 4th, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's close enough to midsummer that we can think it, this is actually a midsummer celebration. We we have a uh, uh, Christmas. We have our 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 winter solstice celebration, which is very much aligned to um, Yule. Yes, and even in October and stuff, we have that. Uh, shoot, uh, it's not a solstice. It's not midsummer. It's. Uh, Wow, I've forgotten the words. There are four times in the year that you can see Equinox? sun equinoxes. Equinox? Yeah. We celebrate our equinoxes. Right. Because Easter is an equinox as well, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, well, when, when we celebrate it, it is, yeah. Right. So it, it's so fascinating that these things, these 
pagan things still exist in a Christian culture because they tried to come in and take it away, and children saw their parents still celebrating it in this such a way, and yet they called it Christian, and then that passed on, and it isn't. It really isn't. Because if it's Christian, you go to church, you praise Jesus, you praise God, and that's fine if you want to do that sort of thing, but it's it's not true to the celebration that you're holding. Right. Well, and it's like Easter, for example. It's like there are the the Christian aspects are going to mass, and the pagan aspects are celebrating with your family, thinking of rebirth and finding, going searching for Easter eggs and bunnies. And I I mean, mean, even what do most people think of when they think of Easter? It's not going to church. It's finding eggs and bunnies. But even then, it is a rebirth story because that's when supposedly Jesus uh, resurrected and came out of the cave, right? So they oh, yeah, moved yeah, it, it to there. Right. And just like Christmas, they moved a Jesus birth to there. Right. Well, you and then again story's... with Christmas, I mean, giving gifts has always been part of the Yule tradition and our culture in general. To be true to the Jesus story, you'd really just give gifts to, like, poor people and charities, not your family members and people you loved who already had enough, but you wanted to give something special. And that's why when I think about Christmas, I think of the the Christmas story by, oh, what's his name? You know, with... Uh, uh, Dickens? Yeah, Dickens. Yeah. That is such an interesting story. It's future, past, present. It's it's taking it all in. It is almost, not quite, but it has a flavor to the, the pagan, heathen, also true tradition within it. Because you're, you're thinking of family then, because he yeah. does go back to the family. He does celebrate with the group of people he's associated with, as mm, opposed to yeah. just being isolated like a Christian would. Right. Right. Well, yeah, and and, I mean, Christmas, I mean, there is a lot of charity organization that goes on then, but I think the big important thing for Christmas more than that is kind of like the gift-giving to your actual family members. It's gathering with your family, just like you would in in times of harsh winter. You would go and visit with your family. You celebrate Yule, and it is Yule. There is no it doubt is about Yule. it in yeah. my mind that Christmas celebrations are Yule. No, there's not in mine either. Well, and you have these like snowy manger scenes, and I'm like, all right, there's no way that's historically accurate. As far as I understood, uh, Jesus had been born in a warm uh, period of time. It, was, it yeah. was August or July or something like that, if I remember when I was researching it. So yeah, yeah he was. That's what my it. research led to, to as well. As internet research, so I might be totally wrong, <laughs> but it doesn't at all surprise me that they're like, "Uh, this holiday's really important. We can't get rid of it. Let's just move. I don't know. Um, Jesus, he's important. Let's so, move so his like, birthday down here. It's cool. Like, even if you happen to be Christian and you're listening to this for some reason, you are still celebrating these pagan, these heathen, these true kind of holidays yeah. that were taken over and overlaid with Christian mentalities. Well, well and you, you're still a part of the family of the past when you do it, yeah. and yet you named it differently and you've put different ideas into it. It is so strange because you can't yeah. take away from that cultural past that we all have. It is still there, and it will still always be there. 
It's awesome. It it lingers and will always mm-hmm. last because of that. It will, and I think that like is a nice thing if you're looking into Ostertruth because a lot of these stories and and um, even the sagas and stuff will mention things that are still culturally relevant today. Though you might not know the origins or what they used to be called, a lot of the things in the stories are p- things people are still doing today. You know, like celebrating with your close friends and family. That's not hard to understand. Heck, That's not we, alien to us. We, in a, like, this is just a thought I had, so it's probably not as accurate as it should be. But when you post bail money, I suppose, not that I have or been involved in anything right. like that, it's almost weird gold. It is, actually. That's, that's an, I had not thought about that one before, but it is rather uh, similar. Well, and I don't know if it's a good thing about our legal system, but if you pay enough money, you can pretty much get away well, with any crime. Well, it's not paying enough money. Like, now, it, it's paid to the state as opposed to the people it was affected to. Which right. I would prefer the money would go to the people you're affected to, but honestly, it's actually there to prevent people from running because you get the money back. Yeah, if you yeah. Run away, true. so maybe it isn't. But it's still interesting that we have so much of the culture that we've come from within the culture of today, the the supposed Christian culture. Yeah. Yeah, that is interesting. And I mean, some of it does fall into that archetypical, every culture celebrates this type of thing. But no, I think it's so in, funny. Christianity doesn't have a lot of those archetypes that we uh, use. They've, they've got the sun god archetype and the war god archetype. I mean, they've What's got some. the war god? Uh, it's a complicated... It's old god <laughs> from the, the Old Testament? Basically. It was a long conversation I had with a friend of mine that... I don't remember exactly how it went, but um, the Jesus as the new sun god archetype is yeah. the more obvious one. Or where Jesus you can come Balder, you can compare him to Balder. There's even better comparisons if you compare him to like Ra and some of the other sun gods of history. So well, there are some archetypical about, things. If you're going to talk about that, uh, it's no wonder that Ra is so similar to Jesus and God because, well, it was from the culture of the slaves and or just workers, the lowly workers of the Egyptian culture that worship Ra as the god, and that, as far as I understood or looked into and researched, it came from that is what the Hebrew culture came from. Yeah, and I mean, some of it was probably borrowed, like, well, we grew up like this, so we're going to borrow some things. But if you look at archetypes in a bigger theme, I do think you see them around the world of... Even in cultures that were not nearly as um, connected. Like if you connect, if you compare Odin and Hermes, there's a lot of Mm. similarities, even though likely we didn't have a whole lot of connection with one another. We were traitors, so there is certainly an amount of it. But I I do believe that there is some archetypical stuff. Um, In my research, like most of Europe was Celtic, and then you get up further north and it's uh, Norse. Yeah, And there's a lot of trade in between, and of course we go into Frey and Freya, may have been traded between, but whatever. It's, oh my goodness, most of Europe, at least the Europe that we can think of as where maybe we've come from, Eastern mm-hmm. Europe, uh, the British Isles, Celtic, Celtic, Celtic. Uh, yeah. I've done some research because I'm writing a time travel book, so yes, it's there, but 
Oh, it's so interesting that there's so much stuff out there, and yet we still do it. And these archetype things that you're talking about, like, what archetype has your leader as the user of language and and spellcasting and, and thinking? Yeah, and- that's that's a unique one. That's actually something I've always liked about Also True that, because um, like I said, he has a lot of, Odin has a lot of similarities between Hermes archetypically, but Hermes was not the leader of the Greek gods. No, he was just the Zeus. messenger. So he was Zeus the messenger. would send him out and, right. and do stuff. But what was Zeus? Zeus is power, right? Right. So power controls in the Greek culture. Yeah, and and I'm not an expert on it. Somebody might see it differently than that, but the powerful god was the leader. So, yeah, it's like the powerful one in charge. Whereas in Austro, you've got like the excuse me, the clever linguistic magical god as the leader, which I always thought was really cool. The idea of knowledge and language being the things that lead our society. Because if you and, think physical power, you think of Thor, right? Right, right, exactly. Yeah, and, and you'd see Zeus and Thor kind of being similar. More than yeah. Zeus and Odin, definitely. Yeah, and and yet Odin is actually more powerful simply because he knows his knowledge is power. And yet mm-hmm. and yet a culture, Greek culture, which which uh built up from uh knowledge and power and the way they use these things that's how they built up, and our culture was built upon might, if you were to take uh, his, uh, the Eastern perspective. Eastern? Western? Western perspective. Western perspective, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I totally be- agree with that. I I don't know. I wouldn't say our culture is totally about might. A lot of it is when you look at like medieval Europe especially, you know, it's just like these kings going to war and everything else. And America's a pretty warist country. We certainly love killing people. But, we don't necessarily love doing it. We just think it is the best way to do things sometimes. I don't know. Have you seen our politicians? I think they great take great joy in it. Well, no, okay. maybe no. I'm, I'm being hard on them. You, I, you, I don't want to get political. To, okay, if you're going to get political, all you have to say is that they are not necessarily beholden to their own ideals. They are right. just trying to continue the power that they have, which means satisfying what the public wants in the public. Not that the IQ test is necessarily the best way to rank people, but... The I think IQ it's a terrible way to rank people. It is, it is. But you need understanding, and hopefully... Hopefully it doesn't, I'm sorry. But the IQ test doesn't hopefully even do anything. But it does show you how well you can take this particular type of test. And, hope, and, and in some ways it shows that you have a greater ability to understand... So, okay, America IQ test average 98, mm-hmm. under 100. 100 right. should be average worldwide. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, people are generally not as intelligent as I would hope they would be. Uh, true. But, you know, I think in America we've got some really brilliant people. and And I think that most of our greatness is because of really brilliant people you know you've got someone like elon musk he's not average at all but 
I mean, he's a really smart guy, and I think he's the next one that's going to get us to, like, the next step that we're going to, which is hopefully well, space. No, and we haven't had this much progress is, since the space race. Is he smart, or is he just smart enough to know that he should rely on other people to do these amazing things? Because he just has the money. Well, it's I hard think, to tell. I think self-knowledge is really um, is really important, and he he's a smart guy, or he wouldn't have, or he wouldn't have as much money as he has now. True. I mean, he's made he made a lot of money on what what was that first company he had? Wasn't he involved in eBay or something like that? Was it PayPal. PayPal, eBay is one of those two, and then he sold out to get a billion dollars, and then he made Tesla, and they're doing pretty good, and now he's made SpaceX, which I feel like is mostly just to follow his dream to get off the planet. But I mean, I I think that all of these cultural things we've been talking about really do reward people and make a system where like really smart people can make huge changes in the world and and be true leaders maybe not in the political sphere but in actually having power they do have that and and i wonder if that's because a lot of our culture does still harken back to you know the original norse gods and Odin being somebody of power who sort of made up this social system that ours is still loosely based on. I wonder if that ideal of knowledge leading to power is still there. I would now, hope so. I think it is. I think our government has gotten a little off track. I still think it's a decent, it's a good government. It is. We've gotten a little off track with the actual government government, but the culture at large, I still do think that you can embrace that ideology of knowledge and knowledge is power and just do really great things and i mean i think musk is a great example he's going to go to space so that's big deal and and he's not the only one he's just the one i'm talking about there's like three companies that are going to go to space and well that's going to give them even more power when they get up there and start doing whatever well, they yeah, do because we shouldn't have all our eggs in one basket let's make as many baskets as we can oh yeah plus there's a lot of minerals up there you could mine and bring <laughs> them back down sure. i mean hey think I, of environmentally hey if we were yeah. if we were to go out there and do that instead of just drilling into the earth and destroying <laughs> environments come on well that better yeah i mean who's going to care if you destroy some asteroid I mean, unless it crashes into Earth. I mean, yeah, that would don't be do the that. Yeah. Don't do that. But I doubt there's much oil on the asteroids. I mean, so. speaking of which, there was an uh, a comet that passed the closest that we've recorded here recently. But again, it was only three thousand um, meters across, which is large, but it's not large enough to I think to have done anything. But we didn't even know. We didn't even yeah, see it coming. Yeah. So we got to be very careful when we go out there, and hopefully these people have been thinking about that. So because our eggs are still in one basket, we haven't gone to other planets to cultivate and and, and live. So yeah, and we should. We should kind of get out there. We should get out there as far as we can, spread out, because I'm a humanist. I want humans yeah. to survive, because that means our gods will survive with us. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's definitely true, and and I think our our culture in general is something that is important to us and should continue to be important to us. I don't want to see the, and I mean not just the Osetru culture or oh. what is developed into all culture. I don't want to see human culture die out because we have a lot of diversity, and 
I mean, we're only one planet, but we've got so many different diverse ideals and peoples and religions out there. I'd really like to see them all survive. And one asteroid would just be like, oh, well, humanity's gone. That sucks. Yeah, because, like, we need to go out and survive. And I think that should be one of the driving factors for everyone and hopefully also true because, in my mind, Odin is our leader, our lead god. Yeah. We want knowledge. We want to have our knowledge survive and in the world that we exist in if we were all to die out that knowledge would die with us so let's go out and explore so this is a call to all also trues out there go to space uh, go to space yeah Yeah. (laughs) well but odin was um very much a god of travel and journeying out into new places you know he went to midgard a lot as did a lot of the other gods but he also went to jotunheim a lot and mostly just to learn i mean he was traveling all over the nine worlds and you know if he's our lead god i think we can take an example from that and be like hey look traveling around is not a bad idea and you know our people have been traveling around forever i mean like our long ships were awesome we made it to america way before christopher columbus did did. so continue that uh continue that spirit and make it up to space that's that's the next frontier we don't have a wild west anymore we don't i mean we've got the oceans we've got the oceans in space those are the two places we haven't discovered yet i just think it's our natural inborn instinct to go explore new places and i think we should follow that which isn't to say that home in the place where you are now isn't important absolutely not you need to take care of that too you need to be there you need to help your family survive because family is extremely important and your family isn't necessarily going to go out there and explore either so but yes eggs in one basket not a good idea go out there explore learn become more knowledgeable, become more powerful. You can't be powerful if you just sit around and do nothing except just take care of your home, though. So you got to go out and do. Be doers, not just existers. Yeah. Well, and and I think that's that's a good point. There's always a balance. You know, Odin didn't travel nonstop. Even he came home um, from time to time, you know, to spend time with his family with his wife with the other gods and 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 a big part of that was to share the knowledge that he had gathered on his journeys and yeah i think we need to do that and odin would you know do things to protect asgard uh i think in the valspo we had some stories about how he um was involved in in making the wall around asgard to protect it so yeah you've got to protect your home first and foremost but when that's done, you have to go out there and and discover something new. And, you know, if you can't afford a spaceship, I can't afford a spaceship, <laughs> you can still embrace the ideals of discovering new stuff and maybe discover something new about yourself. That is another type of discovery. Yes. But seriously, I think physical discovery is something that shouldn't be underestimated either. So go out into the world and be better. Yeah, yeah, no, and I I do think that is something that's very much part of our culture, and I think a lot of that really does, at least a lot of it, I'm not going to say all of it, but at least a lot of it does um, 
stem or, or trace back to Odin and some of the stuff, some of the ideals that he was teaching our people because he was traveling all the time and I do think you saw that in a lot of our ancestors, especially someone like Eric Red or Leif Erikson, where they were just really explorers at heart and I think we should continue, we should absolutely continue that tradition because there's 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 always good to be had from extending our borders and, not and in a political is, sense it right. usually doesn't work in a political sense but in like a personal human sense i i think it works really good and, and this is why i like science fiction so much this is a personal perspective yeah. I, I like science fiction so much because we go out there and we think about it we think what will we do what what can we do what is there out there go out there i yeah. science fiction can outline what may be and some of us have to do the legwork and make what may be possible. Yes, yeah. But, I mean, science fiction can inspire science fact. And, I mean, that's one of and the... And it did. Yeah. Uh, we, we have many times, not on this show, I don't think, talked many times about how Star Trek is such an interesting concept. Yes, it's it's not necessarily how... It will be right because they took care of a lot of things in the background that we don't know how to resolve yet. Right. And yet they go out there and explore and increase their knowledge and become more powerful because of that knowledge with alliances, with with understanding, with this ability to not absorb because they don't try to absorb other cultures. They try right. to let them be their own culture and yet let them come into the fold and say, hey. We're going to do things. Would you like to do things with us? That's right. what that is. And again, Star Trek, fantastic show. Some people may not get into it. I know uh, who I'm with right now. They don't get into that sort of thing. I don't they, understand how you can't like TNG. I just it doesn't. I, make I sense. don't either. But that's my own perspective. Maybe they I find know. it boring because it's a, it, it's not as action adventury as some people like. <sighs> Whatever. Well, okay. If you want exploration with action adventure. Uh, Stargate SG-1 is an amazing series. You get your action adventure, you get knowledge, you get exploration. It is an interesting culture. Heck, they even have a few episodes where we have Norse cultures involved. However, they take them like they're aliens, but whatever. I don't like... I mean, I I like SG-1, but that... Ancient civilizations were cool. Most men aliens. Aliens built the pyramids. <laughs> aliens built Stonehenge. Aliens built Viking ships. Because, you know, ancient people are morons and it must have been aliens. I don't like that philosophy. I, I don't like it either. Uh, I think Thor was supposed to be an alien, too. And I yeah. don't like that either. I think all the Aesir were supposed to be aliens. You're right. Show. They were. But I don't the like idea- that. The idea that we're going out there, I think, is the main I point. do. I do like that idea. And I do think that TNG does it better, and I think Picard and the way that he reasons out situations... Because is, he's the perfect human. He almost. is the perfect human, yeah. He has flaws. There are character flaws, because we all will have them. Well, yeah. But he is kind of the embodiment of what you should kind of strive for. I yeah. Think. Yeah, I think I completely agree. But I mean, just the idea of Star Trek, and I did try, I'm not trying to get too nerdy, but a lot of people do like Star Trek. It's a huge portion of people who like Star Trek, but I mean, it's literally people going out in ships 
and exploring and finding new cultures. And that's exactly what our ancestors did. And th- there were there were always skirmishes and raidings and stuff like that, especially when you get into the actual Viking Age. But Which there was, was also a Christian age yes, almost. it was. There was there was also a whole lot of. Um, trading that's what we were first and foremost especially before kings got divine right and they could take over the world irresponsibly again that was definitely a christian thing but there was just there was trading and i think that's what we really need to focus on you know like if we do make it to space go out there and trade with people don't just like kill them all form a loose alliance where we'll help each other out but ultimately we're own personal entities well and heck even with individuals that's what we should be doing going out there and saying hey look we're we're both people we can get along we can help each other out but i'm a unique person you're a unique person my religion's a unique religion your religion's a unique religion and we can get along without either one of us changing who we are and i really think star trek does kind of embrace that cooperation rather than taking everybody over and absorbing them you know we're not yes. borg we're the federation and and that's Absolutely. what we should want to be anyone who doesn't watch star trek <laughs> doesn't understand any of these references <laughs> now <laughs> but, and unfortunately uh oh my goodness we have gone about an hour of talking about uh, stuff as opposed that. to the story i'm so sorry okay so this is what we're gonna do because I'm not going to cram this story into the next five minutes. That's that's not going to do it justice. I will do the story in the future. I'll do the story next month or maybe the month after, something like that. Hopefully, Lore will be on again, and maybe we can go over it. I guess, Lore, if you're on again, we'll try to do a line-by-line. Because I, when I do line-by-lines by myself, I feel like it starts to drag. But I think that is because it, it's one person, and that doesn't work. Line by line doesn't work when you're one person. Your perspective is the only one shown, which is unfortunate because there are multiple perspectives. Not that mine is vastly different, but at least it's a different perspective. Yeah, yeah. I I always like having multiple people. My wife is watching the kids, or I rope her into doing the show, but... Well, when Saga's a little older, she'll start doing the show, but we've got a few more years before (laughs) that. Um, well, you know what? I actually would really enjoy that simply because a child's perspective on things is vastly different than someone who has a lot of experience in living life. That's true. And when she's a little older, not two, but when she's like, not two. I don't know, eight or something, I'm, I might have her on for short periods of time at least just to kind of get like that child's perspective because I, I do think that could be interesting. So it will be. However, unfortunately, the whole child speaking about God in the Christian thing, because yeah. they're so innocent, it's pure. They also are repeating what they've been told as opposed to actually having thought about it. I think there's value in it. Yeah. Uh, simply because they repeat what other people say and how they've interpreted it. Yeah. But it, it lacks. It lacks forethought it lacks like deep meaning at least in my mind right well and and a question that i don't know the answer to because my kids are still very young how much 
Because I feel like a lot of times parents, when it comes to religion and their children, are more concerned with brainwashing than teaching them how to think about something critically. But how much deep thought can a child actually have is a question I don't know the answer to. I Maybe all they can they do can is have, repeat. I don't know. I think they can have a fair amount if they devote that time to it. However, if they will or not is particularly up to the individual. Right. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of things going into it so i mean i'll i'll kind of see how it goes and well i'm not going to make my kid sit here for an hour because she'll get she'll be bored to tears <laughs> but i think it'd be neat to have a couple minutes of saying like what do you well, think and she's gonna know, she's gonna they... have an interesting perspective because i'm actually raising her also true which is not how i was raised so that'll be interesting too like i i think it'll come down to how much other people interact with them in this particular mm. mode of thought. I, I look very much forward to having conversations with them if they're willing uh, about multiple subjects. Because I enjoy researching religion, whatever it is, because it's interesting to see how people like to take it in. Right. Um, so I would hope that you also outline many other religions as well. Well, yeah, and I plan to. And, you know, I've got some other friends who are different religions, and I'll probably have them uh, talk to her a little bit, you know. Just say, like, well, and here's here's some other options that that you can think about. My Christian friend, I know him, and he's probably going to be like, you're going to hell. Let me tell you why. But, you know, I need to find a more reasonable Christian friend. <laughs> He's, well, he's I don't a, know about you, but I've really enjoyed this kind of conversation myself. Yeah, no, I thought this was a good conversation. I We will have to revisit this, and if I have you on, then I'll probably do the story line by line, just because I do think line by line's good with another person. And if it's just me, and I end up doing the story, I'm not going to do a line by line, because... It's boring mm. enough to hear me ramble on, but to hear me read out loud, then ramble on, that's just too much for the listeners. I'm not doing that to them. <laughs> but well, uh, I, mean, I, I, I think that um, the, the particular cultures go into any storytelling out there. So, like, if you were to read my story, which I can't admit is probably not the best thing out there, you can see influences from an also true perspective i think is yeah. what i would say yeah. so like no matter what you're reading you're probably going to see it especially if it's western fiction of any sort you're going to see something in there and right go out of your way and just kind of read almost everything you can because it, it increases your perspectives yeah yeah, I think that's very important to just, in general, read as much as you can. And in general, try to broaden your perspectives as much as you can. Um, something that's very important that I think is easy to forget um, is the more different people that you meet out there, the wider perspective you're going to have. And that doesn't have to belittle your own perspective in no. any way, shape, or form. A lot of people are like, well, if, if if I hang out with Buddhist people, I'm going to turn Buddhist, and then I'll be a bad Ossetruer or something. And as long as your religion is strong, and if, if it's a weak religion that can't take that 
kind of pressure. It's probably the wrong religion anyway. Well, at least as, for you. At, at least for you. But I think as long as your religion is strong and you're strong in your religion, you're going to do nothing but benefit from dealing with other cultures and, and other religions in general, too. You, your kids, whatever, are really going to benefit from that, I think. Agreed. Anyway, um, I think we're going to wrap up. So, yeah, we will revisit this story. <laughs> and the, t- the title of this episode will, will not be this story. It'll be something else. I'll think of something so people aren't too surprised when we never get into it. But, yeah, we'll, we'll revisit this. But, um, Lord, did you have any final thoughts before we wrap up? Well, I could be self-serving and say, hey, read my book. But... Read. You can say that. I, I could say that. Hell, I'm going to say that. Read my book. Yeah. Um, my books. They're they're my first writing, so yeah, they may not be for your perspective, but there's a particular way I'm writing that, that I think will serve a purpose. Anyway, um, in, in the end, I think go out of your way to read everything you can about any kind of culture. Um, your culture that you're living in right now is probably the most because it's going to give you the most hands-on with that kind of thinking. And you'll see, especially if you're in America, you'll see that there is aspects of also true within almost everything we do. And it is so good that it's so strong that it will last within a culture that kind of I'm not going to say hates, but at least disdains our particular method of thinking. So read. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and for my last thought, I'm just going to well echo what what you said, and and also say um, I think that discovery is something that is a huge part of also true i think we really do see it in our ancestors and how much traveling they did you know around the world and stuff and and even in our gods especially if you look at the traveling that odin did i think that uh discovery is a really important part of who we are and i think it's discovery not just open warfare the idea of traveling the idea of discovering other peoples and other cultures and working with them, you know, trading with them, benefiting from them, not just trying to destroy them and, and take over. So, uh, yeah, I just want to underscore the, um, the importance of uh, uh, traveling and learning and learning about the world and yourself both. So with all of that, I guess we will go ahead and wrap up. Of course, anybody, if you want to check out my website, feel free to do that. So it is hugenhoff.org. And if you want to send me email, the emails there are hugenhoffpodcast at gmail.com. If you had ideas for the show, please do feel free to send them in there. And uh, anything else you want to email me about, uh, go ahead and do that. Do take a moment to go to Amazon and look for Lore's book, or he go well, Steve's book, Stephen Oaks. <laughs> and what's the series called again? Uh, it's the Outsider Trilogy. I think I labeled it as. Let me just double check on that. Okay, um, Outsider Trilogy. Yes, that's Outsider the, that's, Trilogy. It's three books. It's you know. Six, nine hundred pages long, I guess, if you were to print it out. Um, yeah, the first book is something, but the other ones get better. And hopefully the ones I'm going to put out later are going to be even better than that. 
And also my personal suggestion, check out Horizon, A Year of Poems, also written by Stephen Oaks, and you can find it on Amazon as well. Um, so I think that's it. Uh, I, Steve, Lore, I do want to thank you very much for being on. I really do like having uh, co-host, and I know we we have both been super busy. As I mentioned last time, I've got two kids now, and um, they're adorable, and I love them, but <laughs> kids take a lot of time. They do. That's part of being a parent, and that's what I signed up for. So, you know, my schedule is crazy, and Steve, you were working a billion hours of overtime there for a while, so yep. we were super busy. Hopefully, we'll be able to have some more shows um, with Lauren. I'm, I'm hoping that will be the case, but, you know, bear with us because we're just both of us are super busy with life right now but there will definitely be a podcast out every month even if it's just me you'll get something so <laughs> don't worry about that uh northern rooms radio has lots of other podcasts on there so yep. you can listen to them as well oh i did want to mention sign up for the rss so you don't miss an episode you can find my rs at my rss at my homepage, or um, the Northern Runes Radio RSS at their homepage, and you then you can get all the shows, which will include mine. So, so that's cool. Uh, with all of that said, Lord, thank you again for being on. It was definitely nice to have you. Thank you very much, sir. Uh huh. And everyone else, thank you very much for listening. And I guess we will talk to you next month. Fra hail. Fra hail. <laughs>